All right, let's go ahead and get started this morning. Um, so this week, uh, actually we had two weeks since I uh, wasn't here last Sunday, and Luke Kelby stepped in and gave some key themes and, and ideas from Jeremiah, but uh, had two weeks to read, Jeremiah 8, 4 through 9, 26, um, pretty serious uh, group of verses. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the fake faith of Jeremiah's audience, the people of Judah, and even somewhat of the people of Israel as well. The two kingdoms both had a fake faith where um, they looked like they belonged, but they didn't belong in any way in their actions. So we saw what a fearful thing that is to have a fake faith. Um, in this set of verses, we're kind of confronted by what I feel is a great lesson. Um, and that lesson is, what should we, as uh, God's people, what should we boast in? What should be our glory? What should be the thing that we uh, look to as the greatest thing in our life? Um, now, we've all been around uh, people who cannot wait to tell you about all of the awesome stuff that they have, how cool their boat is, their camper, their cars, all those things, the toys they have, the land they have. We've been around those people, um, and there is nothing wrong with having stuff, absolutely nothing wrong with having stuff, working hard and having extra things. But you've been around the one who uh, that's all they want to talk about, and it becomes a brag session, and we know that it can be kind of difficult to go through those brag sessions with some folks, right? In this set of verses, Jeremiah is going to confront those who would boast in the worldly things. Um, the theme of these verses in the sentence is very clear. Um, our glory is not in what we possess, but who we know. Our glory is not what we possess, but who we know. I want to start by kind of digging in with a challenging question, this, let this question kind of echo through your mind as we kind of teach through this. Um, do we want to truly know God or just experience his blessings? Do we want to truly know God or do just experience his blessings? Now, in verses 8, 4 through nine twenty-two we see clearly a group of people not interesting, not interested in knowing God at all. They have no interest in truly knowing him. Um, and because of that, they're really deserving of his wrath. Um, let's look at it with a few verses just to kind of get an idea of where we're at with this people who are supposed to be God's people. They're God's chosen people, right? God has chosen them out of all of the nations even the least of these nations, he's chosen them out to be his people. But let's look at see kind of what the issue is. In verse 8-5, it says basically that they are in continual apostasy. They're always turning away from God, turning away from their creator towards other things. Apostatizing. They're, getting, they're, they're not sticking with God at all. They're going other ways, other directions. Verse 8-7 it says they don't know the ordinance of the Lord. 
That means they don't even know what God commands them to do. They haven't taken interest in knowing that. So, of course, they're not going to follow that, right? Because they don't even know it. Then in verse 8 and 9, it says that they rejected the word of the Lord. Now, Jeremiah was given the word of the Lord to them directly as a prophet. And they had rediscovered the law under King Josiah. So he's given it to them. But even if they knew it, they wouldn't listen to it. In verse 8, 11, it says that basically that they lie to themselves and say, everything's going to be fine. They say, uh, peace, peace, but there is no peace. God is not bringing peace. So, they think it's going to all be okay. And Jeremiah is clearly saying, it's not going to be okay. In verse 8, 12, it says that they weren't even ashamed of their sin. It said they didn't even know how to blush. They just sinned willy-nilly. And they had no conviction, no guilt, no shame in that. So, based on just those few verses, and there's many more, based on just those few verses, these people were obviously unconcerned with knowing who God was. Because they were more concerned about boasting what they thought was their uh, strength and their wisdom and their possessions. Now, it's very similar to our current culture. We know this. Uh, we're in a culture that does not want the God of the Bible. Uh, they want a God of their own making, or they want to be their own God. It's one or the other, usually. And we're looking at the same thing here. So the way that we, we stray from knowing God has been consistent throughout we either, if we know that there is a God, we don't want him to be like he is. Or we try to convince ourselves that we're the God. Or, you know, of course there's other religions that say that there's another God besides him. But not much has changed in sinful man. Even in the beginning, what did, what did the serpent say to Eve? If, if, you, if you eat of this, then you'll know what he knows and you're going to be like him. So you'll be like God. Well... That's elevating ourselves to Godhood, right? So, based on all that, what is the consequence that we see? And it's very clearly said in verse 8.13. He says, I will surely snatch them away. It's bondage and slavery. In a strange land, the armies warming up its war drums right now, they're coming and they're going to take them out of their home and put them in bondage because of their sinfulness and that they've turned from God. They don't want to know God. They want to they boast in other things. And there's no escaping it for them. See, sin requires God's wrath. Now, let's get to what I feel is the key lesson. And what's great about this key lesson is this can be this is application. We can apply this in our lives. 
This is something that can make a difference in us, which is wonderful. I want to read two verses to you. Chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. It says, Thus says the Lord, Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not a mighty man boast of his might, let not a rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts, boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. So, our application, we go back to that, to that application sentence, which was, um, our glory is not in what we possess, but who we know. Our glory is not what we possess, but who we know. So, let's look. The first point of this application is our glory is not what we have. This is so practical. In fact, it's so it's practical to the point of where we would all say, I know that. I know that. Right? And, and that's how I feel about it, reading it. You know, I mean, like, I, I've been taught this my whole life. You know, even when I was in dumb churches that didn't teach gospel, didn't teach the truth, I at least knew that I couldn't put my, my, my boasting in the things I had on this earth, right? But that's the problem. That we don't need to approach it as if I already know this, let's move on to the next. I want us to dig in in our own hearts and search our hearts. Um, now, here's one thing. No one likes a braggart. No, I mean, we don't want to hear somebody bragging about all these things. Um, I spent years listening to preaching. That's, that, that's basically what it was. A, a preacher getting up and bragging about all the awesome stuff he has done, all the miracles he has worked. No proof, but he sure bragged about it, right? Um, there's right now currently a preacher who's getting pretty popular in Christian, Christian circles who says that he hasn't sinned in 15 years. Good luck, bro. I woke up, and I sinned, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I'm not loving the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and my strength all the time. I'm not. Therefore, I sin daily. But no one likes a braggart. And Jeremiah points out the three areas, really, that we see that happening. Wisdom, power, and wealth, right? People would brag about what they know. Uh, uh, a buff guy, like maybe Brother Kelby, might, might uh, boast about what he's benching, right? Or somebody may boast about how much money they got in the bank and how they bought this, 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 and this, right? Those are the areas you see bragging, right? I mean, that, that pretty much gives a good wide swath of where bragging happens. These things are not sinful in themselves. Let me, even Christ did not say that these things were sinful. He went to the rich man's house where, you know, they would shun the rich man, right? He would go to the rich man's house at times. That's what he did with little old uh, Zacchaeus, right? He went to his house. These things aren't sinful in themselves. And most of us probably don't outwardly boast in these things. You know, I don't, I don't get into any of those conversations here about how awesome and smart people are and how strong they are and how, how much junk they got in their garage, right? I don't, I don't really get in those conversations here. So 
we probably wouldn't boast outwardly. But though we don't boast outwardly, there are many of us who boast in our own wisdom. And I've caught myself as, this is a, this is a sin that I fight at times myself, is that I think I'm smarter and I know better than the next person. And that's boasting in my own wisdom. Those times that I see uh, maybe somebody at a different type of church, and I think, well, I just know more. That's, that's boasting in my own wisdom. And those times, though it may be true, maybe we do know more here, you know, maybe we do have better teaching and better theology, and we maybe we're more studied, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. You know, for me, I've got to stop with that boast of, I just know more than them, and bless their heart or whatever. And, you know, how do we stop that? I mean, we, we, have, to, we have to repent of it, and we have to turn to Christ and, and let him show us how, honestly, because it's such a, a deep part of my own nature in that, in that sense. But we need to watch after our own hearts in these things. That's the key. We need to watch after our own hearts as it comes to boasting and, 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 and trusting and relying. Um, there's some of us who do put too much confidence in things, you know, and, and what happens then is our, our wealth or our comfort becomes something that we rely on and we lay in, even though we don't boast about it and brag about it. And if those things are good, we're good. But here's the problem. What happens when they're not good? Because as we, as we know, uh, like markets crash, banks fail, gas goes up to $5 a gallon, right? I mean, these things happen. So if we put our too much trust in our wealth or our comfort, then we end up in a sad state when those things fail for us. Now, in all that being said, I think Stephen Smith made a really good point about this whole thing. It's not necessarily what we are to say or not to say or do or not to do, right? That's not what this is about. In order to apply this, the point is about our hearts. What is our heart? What, what, what is, what's the desire of our heart? Do we ha have a heart that longs to know Christ more? That longs after knowing Him? Diving into who He is? Digging deeply into the riches of who Christ is? That's the point here. Not so much get your mind off the worldly things and get your mind... But no, turn your heart to Christ and to God and, and know Him better. So... The second point of the application is that our glory is knowing God. That's what we glory in, knowing him. Now, he's very clear here about the God that we're talking about. He says, I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. So what are the things we need to know about God? Well, there's three things here that are very important. That God shows faithful love. That God faithfully loves his elect. He'll never not love us. And we see this in the example of Judah and Israel, right? He is going to take them away into bondage. He's going to discipline them. But what does it say he's going to do? He's going to bring them back, right? He's going to turn their hearts back to him. This is a time of discipline. So he will never not love us. He's going to restore us. 
He loves us through it all. He loved them through it all. He loves us through it all. And through the Holy Spirit, he's sanctifying us and, and conforming us to his image, right? And as we seek to know him more, we s continue to see more and more his faithful love towards us. Now, the second thing is that God is a God of justice. Now, a lot of people want fairness with God, but we, d we would prefer justice with God. Fairness with God means we all get hell, period. No way out, right? Justice with God is much different. You see, the people of Judah didn't know this. They had stopped seeing God as a God of justice. They were sinning, like I said, willy-nilly, regardless of the consequences. And they had a religious form. They went to temple. The temple was with them. They looked like God's people, but it was just a form because they didn't know God. And we must know his justice in order to understand his grace. If we understand his justice, we know that sin deserves his justice. It deserves his wrath poured out. But that justice for us was poured out upon Christ on the cross. And because we are in Christ, his justice is satisfied. His wrath is satisfied. And we can run to him. We can confess our sins to him. And he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we want a, we want a just God, not a fair God. Now, the last thing is that God is a God of righteousness. Righteousness is very a very easy un word to understand. It's doing the right, doing right, doing the right thing. Now, God, who is a God of righteousness, would require righteousness from his people, as we see here. And that's why he has to discipline them. Now, for us, he changes our hearts. The Holy Spirit is leading us, guiding us, sanctifying us. And because that, we begin to see a desire for the right things, doing the right things. So, how do we boast in God is the key. Now, is it anything like bragging? I would say no, it's not. Because bragging comes from a certain place. Bragging comes from a place of insecurity. I want everybody to know how awesome I am because I'm insecure about myself. We know this about people who are serial braggers, right? Boasting in God doesn't come from insecurity. Though we know we're nothing without him, it doesn't come from a place of insecurity. Boasting in God comes from confidence in him, knowing him, not just knowing about him. And knowing him in his majesty is going to do something very simple for us. It's going to humble us. To know the God of all the universe in the way that we should know the God of all the universe and to boast in him is going to change our hearts. It's going to move. It's going to, it's going to let us see, you know, he is the greatest thing. Um, 1 Corinthians one twenty eight through 31, I think, is a very good verse as we look at boasting in God. Great set of verses here. It says, and the base things of the world, and the, dis and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are. So he's taking base things, and things that 
us sinful men. And he changes us through his work, not ours. And we can't boast before God. It says, so that no man may boast before God. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus. By his doing, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Because our righteousness is Christ. Sanctification comes through the Holy Spirit in our lives because of what Christ has done. And redemption is through Christ's blood shed on the cross. That has nothing to do with us, right? And our boasting is in him. It's not a, it's not a place of insecurity, but in a place of knowing this, that we boast in him. In conclusion, I want to kind of lead you where we're going contextually in, in these set of verses here. We're fixing to go into a uh, chunk of verses that talk a lot about idolatry and the idolatry of Judah uh, coming up. And Jeremiah is going to go after their idolatry. And here's where this plays contextually. In context, boasting in other things leads you one place, idolatry. Insecurity in yourself and wanting to be Stronger and, and, bright and, and bigger than God leads you to idolatry. You're either going to make a God that isn't real or you're going to make yourself God. Idolatry. Not knowing the real God leads us to creating our own God. And that God is not the real God. That's an idol. But knowing the true God and boasting and glorying in that is the best antidote to idolatry in our lives. Knowing him, boasting in him, glorying in him, knowing him better each day is the best antidote to idolatry. And that's what we're going to begin to see as we go. So next week, we're going to read Jeremiah 10, verses 1 through 16.